Now, I want to introduce our preacher for today. It's not me, okay? And our preacher for today is a dear friend. She's someone who, um, who we, we love very dearly. We have had many meals with her. Uh, she's our sister May, all right? So, you're sitting in front. Everybody say, hello, May. Tell you a little bit about May, okay? Two things, okay? And those two things, you may think they won't be housed in the same person, but they are. May is a fantastic Bible teacher. How many of you are students? You have sat in May's classes before. Yeah, her students are here, fangirls, right? Um, May uh, teaches Bible. She's super committed and I love having conversations with her about the Bible, even from the early days of starting this church. Every time, uh, she, she'll be one of those uh, on Sundays after I preach in the lockdown, I'll be getting texts from her and she'll be engaging me about the word that I just preached. She loves the Bible um, and so I have great conversations with her. We don't always agree, which is even more fun when we don't agree because our conversations become even more hot, right? And I, and I just love engaging with her on the word. But, She's also someone with a huge heart for those who are lost, especially if they are, now you guys better be ready for this, especially if they are BTS. <laughs> we, May is the biggest BTS fan I know because now, how many of you, you, you you're a BTS fan? Just make a way, make, oh, come on, come on, come on, own up a bit. Can I have a witness, right? Now, if you think you're a big BTS fan, I want to ask you, do you pray regularly for their salvation? No, right? No, right? But I tell you one person who does, may praise regularly for every one of their salvation. She loves those boys so, so much. And, and if you ever want to ask any questions about the Christian undertones in, their, in BTS lyrics, Go to me. She will have a lot. She'll buy you lunch and she'll have a long conversation with you about BTS and, and our faith in God. Amen. Oh, I think she told me, don't hype me up, please. I didn't hype her up. Okay. <laughs> but this is this is this is for real. Come on, church. Let's give it up for our sister May. Come on, come on, let's give it up. Come on. Woo! Hi everyone, good morning. So nice to see all of you. Uh, I am May, as he has said, and I'm actually very nervous. I don't know if it shows. My voice is shaking a bit. My hands are shaking a bit. My legs are shaking a bit. And it's not shaking to BTS, okay? <laughs> it's just shaking out of sheer nerves. Well, uh, I've been a member of SIBKL for more than 20 years. I actually have been a Christian since I was 14. But at the age of 18, I walked away from the church. I walked away because I really want to enjoy the things a young woman would in the world. You know, um, Jack, where's Jack? You were playing songs from the 80s. You didn't play my disco dancing day songs. Where were they? Where's my today BTS songs? Not there. I'm so sad today, okay? But I did walk away from God for a good... Uh, at the age of 18, I walked away. For 22 years, I left the church. And uh, I went into Buddhism. I was very deep into Buddhism until I was supporting a temple, supporting the priest, and even up to the stage of giving him a car to use. But to make a very long story short, at the age of 40, something happened. Not necessarily a nice thing, but God brought me back to him. And the hand that I let go at the age of 18, the hand of God that I should have never let go, I held back onto it. And I realized the whole time I walked away from God, he never walked away from me. I may have let go of that hand, but he never let it go. So Ellie, thanks for that song. It's very meaningful to me because I never want to let go of that hand. And today I hope to share with you who this God is, whose love is so high, whose love is so deep, whose love is so wide, and what it means to us in our lives. And I just pray 
I just pray, Father Lord God, that today this pulpit belongs to you. And the words that come from, from this pulpit are the words of God speaking into each and every one of my brothers and sisters here and to everyone who's online. Lord, I just pray that you open up their eyes of understanding, Lord, because for each and every ear that is hearing, Lord, you have a personal message for them. A personal message of your love for them, of your grace for them and your mercy for them. So, Lord, I just commit this whole meeting to you. I commit this whole sermon to you. I commit each and every person to you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, we've had a very good year. Pastor Fergus, I don't know how he thinks of these schemes. Like he got a few of us together and he says, I'm going to turn all of you into preachers. So, it's my first time here. That's why I'm so nervous. And um, if you look at the slides, you will see that we have gone through a whole series of kingdom talks. And this has all been about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Do you remember all these sermons? How many of you attended every one of these sermons? Wow, wonderful. What is the most outstanding thing to you in these sermons? What is one thing that stood out to you? Yes the kingdom in our lives. And where is the kingdom? What is the kingdom? So just a quick review. The kingdom of God, when we enter the kingdom of God, we enter through our faith, our salvation in our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the king of the kingdom. And we are the subjects. So we together in the kingdom are bound into the kingdom of God by our salvation and our unity in the Holy Spirit. But the kingdom is not just about us all being there. Oh, we are loyal subjects. When the kingdom national anthem comes, we will all stand and sing Nagaraku, that sort of thing. No. The kingdom of God has worked in each and every one of us. Because if you look at the slide, it talks about seeing yourself as worthy, growing huh, through humility and suffering. So it talks a lot about the characteristics of us in the kingdom. And today, we're going to add on one more characteristic. And I think, past, uh, sorry, I shall not spill the beans on what's happening next, okay? All right, so today I hope to add on one more layer to these characteristics. Now, I want to ask you, think of your life. Some of you are very young. Some of you are very old. Uh, I'm old, but young at heart, okay? <laughs> Thank you. And if you think of your life, has your life always been running fair? Have you experienced things which are not fair? Have, right? I see so many nods. For those of you who haven't nodded, let me see if I can trigger off some memories. Think of your childhood like mine. I'm the middle child. Four out of six. I have a Taikate, oldest sister, who was everyone's pet. Yikate, another daughter. Samkate, the third daughter. Seikate, the fourth daughter. Mkate, the fifth daughter. And then comes the son. One chicken, one chicken has two drumsticks. Who gets the drumstick? And Taikate. Big sister. So, you know, when I got the drumstick, elder sister go overseas, second sister go overseas, third sister go overseas. Ha! By then, I might get the drumstick. No, la. You must realize how fierce the sisters are, you know. The sisters are very fierce. We are called the Great Wall of China because my surname, Chun, uh, was it Andros or Zerlo who has the same surname? Uh? Andros, uh, he was talking about him being from the Qin. I'm from the Qin dynasty. All of us are very tall. I'm not the tallest amongst the siblings. And we are so fierce. We used to say, be careful. The Great Wall of China is advancing. And if you don't have, make us happy, we'll chop off your head. So very fierce family, uh, by the way. So think also about when you're in school. You are the one who is studious. You are the one who picks up litter. Do you have to pick up litter from your school? You are the one in my school days, we have to clean the school toilet. 
and you're a very good girl, you're a very good boy. But who does the teacher choose to go on special trips? The one whose father donated to the school the most. <laughs> Happens, right? Or what about closer to home at work? You are the one who stays back and does all the work. You are the diligent one who does all the background work. You've, you did all the details. And who gets the promotion? The prima donna who walks in and looks like she rules the office and the boss just likes her. She gets the promotion over you because she gets the credit over you. And worse still, in church, God or not, in church, God unfair or not. Are we all so holy that we're never unfair? Have you had this experience before where you think you are the smart one in church, you are the holy one in church, you are the one who works very hard in church, you're the one who tithes the most in church? But when pastor wanted to feature someone on the pulpit to share the testimony, huh, didn't pick me, law. Pick some unknown little thing who's only joined the church for two years when I've been working so hard in the church for 20 years. Why? Eh? You may not say it out loud, but in your heart, you feel it, right? So many things are unfair in this world. But you want to know something very funny. Eh? Today, I'm going to talk about fair and unfair. Fair and not fair. Who do you think is the person who's most not fair in the Bible? Yeah, clever. Who said it? Pastor, Fergus, potential preacher, potential Bible teacher, okay? Well done. So we're going to talk about Jesus, who is the most not fair person. Let's all take a look at Matthew chapter 20, right? But I'm very kind. My students will tell you I'm actually very strict with them, but today I'm very kind. I do Pastor Fergus style. I have the verses out for you. So that your attention is on me, huh? not on your Bible. And in Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 to verse 16, is the parable of the vineyard workers. And it starts like this. Jesus says, these are Jesus' words, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. So he's not only master of the house, you know, he's also the owner of a vineyard. Early morning is, you know what time? Six o'clock in the morning. He will wake up, he will go to the marketplace or the city center and he will start looking. Ha! All of you here looking for jobs. Why they're looking for jobs? He doesn't care. He just knows that you are there. And he goes to the group of people then says, hey, you! I asked them because the Ong family was the first into the place. Hey, you who are here so early in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, would you like to work in my vineyard? Work or not? Easy work or not? Atelier work or not? The father says work, well, so all of you have to work. <laughs> His authority. So when you say you will work, I pay you uh, one denarius. Uh. You got to work from 6 a.m. till... But there's a day end in Jewish time, 6 p.m. For 12 hours work, I'll pay you an average daily wage. This is an average daily wage of Malaysian plantation workers in supervisory roles. I'm quite kind. I will pay you a daily wage of 120 ringgit. One or the one. Okay, good. So I hired my first batch of workers, which is what the vineyard owner did. And they agreed to it. Then you would think that he's quite happy, Lord, got all the vineyard workers, they're all like plucking grapes, maybe churi makan a bit. I don't know. But then at the third hour, which is 9 a.m., goes out again. Hey, still got some more people sitting there. No job. Ah. Okay, all of you here, the Sierra Mask group. <laughs> it's 9 a.m. I can say that because he's my cell leader. <laughs> the 9 a.m. people. You're standing there looking a bit lazy. Never mind, I don't need to know why you're so lazy. I don't need to know why you're so idle. Come. You want to work in my vineyard? Come, come, come. No need to negotiate with me. I will pay you what is right. 
So they're going to work from 9 a.m. till 6 p.m. Then, okay, okay, his grapes are all getting harvested. And so they went to work. But this vineyard owner not satisfied, no, because obviously his vineyard must be so big. His grapes must be so ripe. His harvest must be so great. Must be a very rich man. Huh? Must be a very rich man. So at 12 o'clock, he went up again. And again, he got the next batch of workers. My students, no choice, you have to work, okay? Life is not fair. So they all said, okay, 12 o'clock, we will work. And then he went to the next batch, 3 p.m., come and work. Okay, they said, we will work. And what did he tell them? He'll pay them? It said he did the same more. So he again, he said to them, no need to argue with me about wages. I will pay you what is right. I know how much to pay you, trust me. And these people, 9 p.m., 12 p.m., 3 p.m., all trusted him and they went to work. Now, if the Ong family is being paid 120 ringgit for 12 hours work, how much do you think the 12 p.m. people should be paid for six hours work? 60 ringgit, that's quite a good calculation. Very clever. Now you've got new uh, accountants in your group, okay? So you would think that by then they have enough workers, but guess what happened? This vineyard owner does not give up because his vineyard is wider than the ocean wall. Very big vineyard. So guess what? At the 11th hour, 11th hour is what time? 5 p.m. At 5 p.m., the vineyard owner goes out and he found more of them just lepak, lepak. So he says, hey, all you lepak bunch, okay, let's call the latest ones all the, sorry, I'm going to make use of this team here because you sat down last, okay? You are the serving team that came the last. So you are the 5 p.m. workers. You want to work for me or not? Huh? You, you don't wonder why one hour work also you want to do, ah? Uh? If they want to work even for one hour and earn how much you think they should earn if they work one hour? Hey, hello. Ten ringgit. <laughs> even for ten ringgit they work, do you think they are very hungry and desperate? Today, uh, for us to work ten ringgit is not worth it. Two fifty told this way, two fifty told that way, five dollars gone already. Three dollars parking, eight dollars gone, earn two bucks, right? But these people, even at the last minute, were desperate enough to work for that one hour. And again, did the vineyard owner tell them how much he's going to pay them? No. Just take my word for it. I'll pay you what is, what's the word? Right. I will pay you what is right. And why did the vineyard owner hire them? I don't know. Nobody knows. Jesus just said in this parable, they said to him, because no one hired us. No one wanted them. Who are usually the last people you pick to work for you as a laborer? The fit and healthy ones? Yeah, the little small ones will be the last ones to get hired. Maybe they were uh, Stevie Wonder blind. Maybe they were deaf like us, we couldn't hear the music. Maybe they were lame. Maybe they were weak. Maybe they just recovered from COVID, who knows? But they were definitely the ones that no body wanted. And yet the vineyard owner went out there and said, come work for me, I will pay you what is right. Ah, Andros, you happy or not? Today you got bread to eat, you know. Right or not, Ellie? Can give your mother, father more food also, you know. So, they got a job. Then the story doesn't end there. It's not, wow, I feed all of you. Sorry? Hmm? And it's not ready yet. And then when the evening came, six o'clock, the owner said to his foreman, who's my laborer? Pastor Fergus, would you like to be my foreman? Okay. Oh, oh Athalia is my foreman. Ah. Sorry. Okay. And he says, call the laborers and pay them their wages beginning from last to the first. So pay this bunch of 
people first. And by right, they should only be paid 10 ringgit. But you know what? The master said to them, hey, this bunch who only work one hour, pay them one denarius. Pay them the full 120 ringgit. He didn't bite into it to see it's real gold or not. <laughs> so they got their gold. They got their gold denarius. Then he went and said, okay, the next batch, 3 p.m. batch. Treasurer, please form and please pay them all one denarius also. Oh, happy. Oh. Hey, those who didn't say they want to work don't get paid one. Ah. Ah. Those who didn't want to enter my vineyard don't get paid one. Then came the 3 p.m. workers also got paid. Uh, all our 12 p.m. workers also got paid. 9 a.m. workers also got paid. Then, dang, 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 the Ong family's time. The first to come. Excited or not? Some more the Ong family holding the whole treasury. And then you know what the owner said? My dear Ong family, please pay the Ong family also one denarius. Would you complain? You won't complain. <laughs> Afternoon workers, will you complain? Ah, you want to complain? Ah? Wow, very tough for this one. <laughs> this is worse than forming a cooperative. What do you call those things? Trade union. These are all the trade unionists. Be careful. But you know what the Ong family did? Like what Pastor Fergus did? What do you say when you receive the one denarius? I'm scandalized. <laughs> I'm he wants to throw stones and slippers at me already. It says, upon receiving the one denarius, the first group grumbled at the master of the house saying, these last worked only an hour. And yet you have made us Equal, make them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Sounds really unfair, right? They are sunburned. Whereas these idle ones, by the time they, they idle to the vineyard, they maybe only work 30 minutes, okay? <laughs> Sounds a bit familiar when we visit certain offices in KL, huh? At 3 p.m., you know what the, you know, some people knock off at 4.15, right? But at 3 p.m., what are they doing? Idle already. Eat kueh, drink kopi. But they all got equal pay for different hours of work. Let that sink into you as to how unfair this master of the house, this owner of the vineyard is. I can see the fire burning in you, okay? Now, you know when the guy complained, when the first batch complained, what did the owner say? Did he scold them and said, off with your head, I sack you. No, he said very lovingly and very gently. The owner said, ah, friend, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me to work for one denarius? Huh? You agreed what? So take, take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker what I give to you. And you know what he said? Am I not allowed to do that? It is my vineyard. It is my grapes. It is my profit. And if I don't make enough, it's also my loss. But I give you what I have promised you. So if I want to give more, do you want to begrudge my generosity? And Jesus goes on to end this parable with, so the last will be first and the first last. What does it mean? What does it mean in the kingdom of heaven that the first will be last and the last will be first? Do you know why Jesus told this parable? 
Anybody can, anybody knows Matthew chapter 19 well enough? Ah? No, okay. If you go to chapter 19 of Matthew, the last couple of verses, no need to turn, I tell you. What happens is that in the ending of chapter 19, Peter goes up to Jesus and says, Lord, 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 you know me uh, and all these apostles, uh, we have given up how much? Everything. We have given up everything to follow you. What is in it for us? What is in it for us? Then you know what Jesus said? Hi, I know you have given up everything. And let me tell you, there will be a reward for you. You 12 shall sit on 12 thrones in heaven. And for those who have given up, everything means in those days, mother, father, brothers, sisters, business, belongings, I will give it back to you. How many times more? A hundred times more. Do you know what Peter gave up? What was Peter's job? Fisherman. In Malaysia, when we think of fishermen, we think of what? Dayong Sampan. Dayong Dayong Sampan, right? No, no, no. Peter is not a Dayong Sampan fisherman. He was quite a well-to-do man. He's considered like upper middle class or rich already because he had a boat that is about 15 feet to 20 feet. Uh, I mean, a big boat that can seat about 15 to 20 people. So he's not a small-time businessman. He most probably had a few workers along with him too. Quite well-to-do. And he gave it all up to follow Jesus. So Jesus, after answering Peter, he said this, the way I reward is so that at that time when I give up my rewards, you will find that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. That is how he ended in chapter 19. And then he starts with this parable and he ends with that same phrase. What does it mean to us today? You know, in, oh, sorry. in this parable, we find that the master made an offer. The master made an offer to the people and it was in the master's right to give what he wanted to give. And the master gave in abundance, not a stingy master. The master gave his abundance. And this was the principle that the master had, okay? That is akin to the kingdom of heaven. So let's see how this translates to Jesus. Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 says, For the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. So Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. He's not talking about the master. He's not really talking about you, the vineyard workers. And in every kingdom, there must be a king. So Jesus is saying, I am the master. I am the king. And if Jesus is the kingdom of heaven, and you say you belong to the kingdom of heaven, then the question we need to ask ourselves is, is Jesus my king? And this is absolute monarchy, not constitutional monarchy like Malaysia. Absolute. Like my Shi Huangdi ancestor, if I say off with your head, it's off with your head. And he's a master, he's a king of all kings, and he's the master of all masters. So we want to explore a little bit more about this kingdom that Jesus has offered to us. So, making him parallel with the vineyard owner. The vineyard owner offered you to be part of his vineyard team. The vineyard owner offered you to be his workers. Guess what Jesus is offering you? For those of you who are not part of Jesus' kingdom, there's a twofold offer here, you know. For those of you who are not part of Jesus' kingdom, Jesus is saying, come. Come, all of you who are sitting out there in the open marketplace, all of you there who are fit and healthy, all of you there who are weak and helpless, all of you there who hunger and thirst, 
Because you need to be fed and you need to be fed spiritually. You need to be fed emotionally. And in some cases, you need to be fed physically too, right? Jesus is opening up the offer to you to come and be part of his kingdom. How do we become part of his kingdom? You know, in Mark 1.15, I've put all the verses there for easy for you to refer back to. In Mark 1.15, Jesus said, the time has come. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So to enter this kingdom that Jesus is offering you, to be part of the kingdom where he is king, he says, repent. What is to repent? Repent means we acknowledge we are sinners. We acknowledge that in our sinful nature, we have been cut away from God. We have lost our connection with God. God is reaching out to us, but we can't reach back to Him because sin is in our way. So when it says repent, it means turn away from your sins. God, forgive me for my sins. I want to reconcile with you. And we can only do that through the offering of Jesus. We can only enter the kingdom of heaven. We can only enter this vineyard of heaven when we take up the vineyard owner's, heaven owner's offer and say, yes, I want to be part of kingdom of heaven and I receive it, my eternal life, my salvation by faith. In Jesus Christ. And many of you say, hey, I'm there already. I already make it to heaven. What else is there? I'm already a Christian. I already said, yes, Jesus is my king. What else is there? You mean got more one? (laughs) Jesus says, yes. Don't just enter my vineyard. When you enter the vineyard, what do you see? Grapes, right? Lots of grapes. What do grapes become? What was the first miracle Jesus performed? Turning water into wine. So, if you don't pick the grapes, what will happen to the grapes, my dear fellow workers? They will rot. Wine is when you pluck the grapes and they rot in a fermenting way, a properly guarded way, and it becomes wine. But if the grapes just fall to the ground, it just turns busok. Worms will come smelly, slimy. And that is why the vineyard worker says, my harvest is so big. Come, I've got so many grapes for you to harvest. I've got so much wine for you to enjoy with me. Come and help me harvest. Because in Matthew, Jesus again says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Sorry, I have to read because I'm very nervous. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers out into his harvest field. So for those of you who say, hallelujah, I'm part of the kingdom. I've got my foot into heaven. I've got my feet into eternal life. Jesus is saying, now get yourself into action. Work. 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 Doesn't matter how much work you do. Some of you, like the... Like me, la. I'm the worker who, wow, very eager, eager, you know, wow, three, uh, 12 o'clock in the, or 9 o'clock in the morning, I entered the vineyard. Then 12 o'clock lunchtime came, uh, I took a 22-year lunch break. <laughs> but guess what? I came back. Guess what? I'm still going to get my denarius. It's never too late. It's never too late. Okay. Why do I say Jesus has worked for us? All of you read Bible or not? Who doesn't read Bible here? Hey, be honest, some of you I know don't read Bible one because you know why? You read off the frame. I mean, you read off this thing. You listen to sermon. Okay, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says, all scripture is inspired by God. For what? For first one is Teaching, reproving, teaching or instructing, same, huh? for reproving is to tell you off when you do right, when you do wrong, for correcting. So after I've told you where you've gone wrong, I'll teach you how to do right. 
for teaching, for reproving, for correcting, for training, and to equip every worker of God, every man and woman of God, to equip you to be adequate to do His good works. So Jesus don't mince words. One, he says all of you are brought into the kingdom to work because what was his great commission for all the disciples? What was Jesus' last words? Ah, this one Pastor Fergus said it last week. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, if I'm not mistaken. Jesus, as he was going up to heaven and then all the disciples, oh, yeah, Lord, oh, Lord, where are you? When are you coming back? Huh? And Jesus says, hey, you shall remain until you receive my Holy Spirit, then you will go and preach the good news to all of, where were these things? Jerusalem, and then to the next part, Judea, and then to the next part, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth, because Jesus also says, I want you to go out there and make what? He doesn't say make converts, huh? disciples are followers, followers have to work. I want you to go out there and make disciples of all nations, that means everybody on earth baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And guess what? He says, I will go with you. Do not fear. Now, you know why I never want to let go of Jesus? Because whatever he has tasked us to do, he is going there with us. Okay? So be a part of his working team. You know, if God is speaking to any of you today, you say, what can I do? I'm so old. Hey, I'm in my 60s, first time standing up here. If I can do this, you can do this. Okay? And I know, I, I refer a lot to what Pastor Fergus said last week. He said, it's not how much you do. It's as long as you're willing to do. Even if you harvest one grape, you're a worker, right? But Jesus didn't even say you have to harvest one grape. As long as you say yes and you step into his vineyard, you already get your denarius. Then you harvest one grape, you still get one denarius. You harvest 1,000 grapes, you still get one denarius. You know why? Because one denarius is more than you deserve already. So I'm sorry, you work 12 hours, you're already being overpaid. You're lucky I don't ask you to utang back to me. Okay? So be a part of his workers. And that is his great commission for all of us to follow. And what gives Jesus the right? Huh? What gives Jesus the right to be so axio? Why is he the King of kings and the Lord of lords? John 3.16 says, everybody let's say it together, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. So for us, uh, when we tell people, oh, Jesus died for us, oh, his blood redeemed us, his blood bought us. We all have this picture in our mind, uh, uh, blood from the hands, uh, blood from the feet. And then some of us, a little bit more graphic, uh, we know that the crown of thorns, those who have been to Israel, you know those thorns are six inches long. They are very hard. They are spiky. They made a crown of thorns. And in Matthew, it says they put the crown in his head. That means when they put it on, they kind of tuck, 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 smashed it in a bit. So a bit more graphic, you see blood coming from his face. You see these pictures, right? But let me tell you what the price of his blood and death is that gives him the right to be overriding everything. Jesus is God. Right around, Jesus is God. Jesus created heavens and earth. Jesus created you and I. Who do we belong to? Who does the whole world belong to? And when he's there in heaven, he has got countless numbers of mighty angels, worshipping him, serving him, praising him. But what did our God choose to do? Our God chose to come down to earth, born into a poor family in a little town of Bethlehem. And when he grew up, he didn't grow up like BTS, superstars. He grew up a nobody until the age of 30. 
And when he did his ministry from 30 to 33 years old, knowing full well what will happen when he's 33, knowing how he's going to die, he still went around spreading the good news, talking about the kingdom of heaven. And in that three years, was he a superstar? No. People mocked him. People laughed at him. People tried to trap him. People scorned him. People looked down on him, insulted him, even called him the devil, you know. When he did the miracle, they called him, oh, you must be a devil, or you must be the son of Beelzebub. That is what this glorious God came down to earth to do. And then, when he died for us, it's not a simple death, or not just a bit of blood here and a bit of blood there. You know? I think people are just scared of blood, so they don't paint the real picture. You know, Jesus was beaten the night before he was gone to trial. They whacked him already, you know. Then they brought him to trial. They accused him of being guilty of what? Nothing they could really accuse him of. It's a kangaroo court, what they call. Then they took him into the town and they stripped him and they whipped him 39 times. You know, we see Indiana Jones, Oh, no, it's not the kind of whipping. Jesus' kind of whipping was leather tongs, multiple strips of leather tongs with sharp edges at the end. Could have been metal, could have been glass, could have been anything, but that was sharp. And when they whip, they will be experts, uh, the Romans. When they whip you, they don't hit you hard. They actually rip you apart. They actually get the claws into your body and they tear your skin up. Like the way you open your can, your Coca-Cola can. That is what they did to his body. That is the blood that he shed too. Not just from the wrist, the hands and the head. And many people can't take that kind of scourging. No? Many people actually die. And there are stories of how these people are ripped so badly that their stomach spills onto the ground. And if they don't die, they're made to carry their stomach and their cross and go to Calvary. So Jesus was made with his bloody back, with his bleeding head, to carry the piece of rough wood to Calvary, where they nailed into him his hands and his feet. Think about it. How many of you got an itchy back or a rash on your back? Ah, you have, huh? Can you imagine if you just lie down there on something rough and the nail goes in you, boom, 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 and your back is scratching on that wood. And then they hoist you up, not gently, uh, it's like, boom, you're hoisted up and your back is on the wood and you can't breathe. The only way you can breathe is, you know, uh, people on the cross actually die of asphyxiation, of suffocation, not of bleeding. The only way you can breathe is if you push against your feet, raise yourself up so that your chest is open and you can breathe. Can you imagine the pain in your feet with that huge spike to your feet? You've got to raise up your feet, use your hands to hoist yourself up, and guess what your back is rubbing on? Cool marble? No, not the marble. We see beautiful crosses. Uh. We see marble cross. La. We see alabaster cross. La. It is a rough piece of wood. Splinters entering already an injured back. So that is the price he paid for us. He gave up his kingship in heaven. He gave up his Div and he didn't give up his divinity, but he gave up all the glory he had in heaven to come down to earth, to die that way for us, knowing throughout his life that he was going to die that way for us. And when he died for us, who did he die for? The whole world. He died for the whole world. And how much of the whole world appreciates him? How much of the whole world hates him? And yet he died for us. I don't know, what's the population of Christians in the world today, Pastor Fergus? Do you know? It's very, very small. Okay, it's very small. So, when he died for us, out of his love, his love is so abundant. But you know what's the beauty of God's love? It's not like our love, you know. Love your enemies. How, God? How can I love my enemy? Because... 
Jesus' love for us is God's love. And it says in 1 John 4, 8 that God is love. So his whole being is love. When Jesus loves us, he loves us with his whole being. He loves us with his whole nature. He can't help it. He is love. He wants that relationship with us. That is the kind of love that Jesus is giving us. Who is singing? His love is higher than the heavens. Because it is coming down from the heaven. His love, his grace is Sorry, yeah, mine is great. His, his grace, can you hear? Okay. His grace is wider than the oceans. Do you know the difference between grace and mercy? Okay. Uh, i tell you a little story. See, I can detect what part of this is. A couple of years ago, I was driving along the Duta Highway. I'm a very safe driver. Not very good, but very safe. Minding my own business, driving along the Duta Highway. Suddenly, one car came from behind me and bang, whacked my car. Some of my car, new or new car imported from Japan. I said, oh gosh, repairs will be expensive. Got to get the spare parts from Japan. Then I got down from the car want to exchange IC. Then I was a bit angry. Like, Why this man going to bang me, you know? So I went down and I saw a very beaten up, rusty old car. Inside there was a man who looked so anxious and looked so flustered. And behind him was a six-year-old little girl wailing her eyes out, going hysterical because she was so frightened by the bang. And I looked at the car and I said, oh gosh, this man doesn't even have air con. His windows are down. His car is rusty. It's in a very bad state. And I said to myself, little girl, are you okay? Little girl, are you okay? I was showing a bit of love, a bit, a bit, a bit. I think that amount of love we can all show one, right? Then I looked at him. I felt even sadder for him. No? Then he was like trying to frantically console his daughter. And I said, it's okay, it's okay. Don't cry, don't cry. Then the father kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Then I said, it is all right. And I suspect maybe he was driving illegally even without insurance. So I said to myself, I, uh, I'm in a bit of a rush. I just need some money. Because I sold my business at that time. So I said, okay. I said, it's okay, it's okay. I will pay for my own car repair. You don't have to worry. You make sure your little girl is all right. Are you okay? Can you drive off? Are you okay? And he said, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I said, it is all right. I forgive you. Please go and don't feel bad. Was I a kind person? Was I showing him mercy? Mm, I was showing him mercy, right? But I stopped there. I didn't go beyond that. What didn't I show him? Grace. So what is grace? How could I have shown him grace? Pay for his car repairs. That's right. And then take him out for dinner and give his daughter a good meal and him a good meal. And then say, you got road tax or not? You got insurance or not? I pay for you. But if Jesus was in my place, what grace, what more would Jesus have done? Ah, yeah. No, that one give me, give me. <laughs> Any fan here when the concert comes, please look for me. I'm looking for people to go with me. Hey, <laughs> we are the army. So, hey, some of this looks like the light bulb. <laughs> so, Jesus would have given them BTS tickets. Yeah, but you know what Jesus would have done for them as he had done for us? When he gave us grace, when we are in that stinking, rotten, uninsured, rusty, no road tax car, he gives you a brand new car. And the best of the best of the best of cars. I asked Pastor Fergus, what's the best and most luxurious car to you? He said, Rolls Royce. This young man thinks old. This old lady wants Lamborghini. The old shall be young and the young shall be old. <laughs> so, I didn't have a chance to show him grace. 
but I gave him up to mercy. Already very proud of myself. But guess what Jesus did for us? He gave us his love. He gave us his mercy by not killing all of us and saying, you all go to hell straight away. He gave us grace. He gave us the free gift of eternal life. And this eternal life doesn't only start in heaven because when is the kingdom of heaven? Is the kingdom of heaven on earth now? Yes, as long as Holy Spirit is here, we are in the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven, the abundance that he gives us is already in our present life. Because he says, the devil came to kill, to steal and to destroy. But I come to give you life that is abundant. Not necessarily abundant in wealth, not necessarily abundant as in having 500 children and big businesses, but abundant in his love, in his grace, in his mercy. And when you have tasted that, you will never ever let it go. Never. In my 22 years, when I was wandering around in the wilderness, looking for grace, mercy, and love, I was going to temples, I was taking vegetarian meals, and I was, I was boasting to Pastor Ferguson, people go to temple, give three joysticks, I give 18. <laughs> Someone, I told you, I support the priest. But there was an emptiness that I couldn't fulfill. And when tragedy struck, and again, I saw the hand of God reaching out to me. I took it and I came back. So this love, this grace, this mercy, how does it relate to this story? Because we're told to be workers. You know, if you know a bit about me, I think you all can tell already I'm quite fierce. Now. My students are very scared of me. When every time they do homework, they say, sorry, me, sorry, we didn't do homework, sorry. You know, I'm so fierce that in my youth, I'm called lofu la. You know what that means or not? <laughs> Lioness. And I fought with every single boy in my neighborhood. I have bitten them. I have spat at them. I punched them. And there's proof of photographs of me as a six-year-old girl fighting with two older boys and I whacked the living daylight out of them. My uncle thought it was so funny. He took the whole series of photographs, which I have till today. I was so fierce that and when I was fierce, it wasn't because I wanted to be right or I wanted to win. I was fierce because I stood for justice. If I found that things were not fair, things were not right, it must be made right. So when my cousin played Monopoly, he said, oh, I'm going to pay me $1,000. Then he kissed the $1,000. And as he kissed, he dropped a few bills back down on his treasury. I saw it. I took the feather duster. I chased him out of the house. You know, he then come home that whole day until my father and my uncle had to drive around and call him, I won't say his name, like embarrassing. Come back, come back for dinner. That is how fierce I am. I didn't do it because I was a rascal. I did it because I felt that it had to be done because you are wrong and I am doing what is right and what is fair. But you know what God has done for me? He's given me so much of his love. It's his love, huh? it's not... He making me love. It's his love put into me that I've learned to have compassion on people. I've learned to tone down. It's not mellow with age. It is mellowed by the love of God because I know in my most sinful state, he has given me so much love. Who am I not to give back love and compassion to those who have wronged me? Do I dare do it? I daren't. Because God has given me so much of his personal love. And because he's given me so much of his personal love, I don't have to go out there and say, I must practice grace. Sometimes we struggle, right? Oh, I must practice grace. I must love my neighbor. I must practice mercy. No. Let me tell you, go with the flow. Because when God's love is flowing through you, you know what's very natural? Love, grace, mercy that is his given to you flows naturally out of you. I'm still very fierce. I will still tell you off. Slight difference between now and last time is that last time when I tell you off in truth, today I know how to tell you off in truth and grace. Which is what the word of God is. Jesus is very truthful, but he's very graceful too. You tell people the truth not to hurt them. 
You tell people the truth, not only to correct them, you tell people the truth because you want them to know the abundant love of God, of Jesus, of the Jesus who paid that price to give us his abundant love. Oh, yo, can you imagine? He paid the price to give you. He paid the price to give you. So who are we to sit down until our backsides get fat and do nothing? When our king, our lord and our master says, you are now in my kingdom, go and work. Go and work. And this work must be according to his will, must be according to his purpose. Don't go out there and look for work yourself. That's why some Christians burn out. They work, 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 work. I want to do a lot of work for God. I want to do a lot of work. I want to make sure I go to heaven for sure one. People get normal passport to heaven. I get diplomatic passport to heaven. Got a red carpet and trumpets heralding me when I get to heaven. No, 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 no. It is a specific works that Jesus has set for you to do. And you will know. You will know because the Holy Spirit will tell you what your work is. Please don't think I start here by standing here preaching. You know what my first work was for SIDKL? You all remember Drunk Before Dawn? How many of you remember Drunk Before Dawn? In those days, this is 20 years ago, no such thing as computer online ticketing. Guess who was in charge of giving out all the tickets? By hand. By hand, I had to draw the chart of the seats. I mean, I had a drawn picture of it. And by hand, I had to number the seats and allocate thousands of tickets by hand. Was it a glorious job? No. My family having holiday in Penang, you can see a picture of me sitting on the beach of Penang doing all the planning until I got sick. No glamour in it. Then after I did all that, Pastor Chu changed the date. <laughs> because Pastor Chu changed all the date, all the cell groups also changed their dates. And those days, everybody won ticket because we gave it for free. So God will give you jobs that befit you at the right time, right place, right job. So all this, all this means that it is not by what we do. It is all by what Jesus has done. It is by the finished work of Jesus. He did everything. That is why in the economy of the kingdom of heaven, the principle of the kingdom of heaven is that it is not your rights. It is God's right to give as he wants. There is no favoritism. That's why the last shall be first and the first shall be last. It doesn't matter how hard you've worked for the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter how long you've worked for the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter how much faith you show. Jesus Christ said it is all by my works. Like the thief who died at the cross with Jesus, did he do a lot of good works? He really, you know, the, the thief who died with Jesus and uh, one of them told Jesus, hey, you are supposed to be God. Well, why don't you save us and save ourselves? And then the other thief said, what did that thief say exactly? Uh, sorry? This man has done nothing wrong. And Jesus turned to him and said, truly today you shall be with me in paradise. So he just, just before the gate closed, he just made it into heaven. Then he died. But did he get the denarius? Yeah. So Ephesians 2, 8, 9, if you're struggling with what it means to be a worker for God, if you're struggling with, why, 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 I do so much for God, I get nothing one. Huh? That fellow do nothing, God bless him so much. I pray like man, I get nothing. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So that's why I say Jesus is very unfair, Lord. He doesn't play fair, Lord. And you know why he doesn't pay fair? Because Jesus is more than fair. He wants to give you more than you deserve. Much, much, much more. So that song is really very meaningful. He doesn't let you go. He never will let you go. So I urge each and every one of you, if you feel that you're hanging on to God by the tip of your fingers, reach out. Reach out back to God and never let Him go. 
because he really works wonders in your life. And I speak from experience. I don't want to speak cliches. I don't want to speak what is just pull off the air. I'm really speaking from experience. My life may not be, in some people's eyes, the best of everything. But you know what I have? I never let go of Jesus who gives me the best of himself. And while my life on earth may not be perfect, I know my life in the kingdom of heaven to come will be. So never let go of your Lord. Would the worship team like to come up? Never let go of him. Hang on tight to him. Amen. Come church, let us just, uh, let's just give God praise. Let's give God praise for the word that's been given. I want to minister to some of us today. Um, even as you've heard the word, um, just, just want to encourage the, uh, all of us to remain in this posture, in this posture of, uh, of even having heard this word. Just before the worship team goes into this song, I just want to call out one group of people here. You don't have to come out. You will know. You will know. If you feel in whatever way that life has been unjust to you, you have faced situations that, that you feel like, is this, is this my reward for being a Christian, for doing good, for doing right? Maybe it's not even in the context of anything overtly Christian. Maybe you've been, maybe you've just been do, a do-gooder and it has not, it feels like it's not paid off. Or maybe, as May shared with you from earlier, there are things from your childhood, there has been favoritism in your home, there has been favoritism among siblings, or you always felt compared to a cousin, to a friend, to a neighbor, to a fellow student, maybe even to a friend, a good friend, and that friendship which should have been a better one. I mean by the fact that you were constantly compared unfavorably to them. Were you compared to your sister? Were you compared to your brother? Was it relentless, this feeling that you're not good enough? Right now, I want you to know this. The Lord sees you. And the Lord sees you differently from how people have seen you. Maybe the people in charge over you, whether it's parents or teachers, grandparents, whoever it may be, maybe they were unkind. Maybe they really were unkind. Or maybe they were only reenacting the kind of parenting and teaching that they themselves received and they didn't know any better. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. Or maybe they were doing their best, their best, and their best still fell so short. It left you with your own baggage until now. Your, 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 so many years have passed and you still carry some of these knee-jerk reactions. You still carry some of this wound. You still have it. And maybe it's God. And maybe it was a pastor who wounded you. Or maybe it was a church that wounded you. Or maybe you're so disappointed in God, you feel it was God who wounded you. And today I want you to know that throughout all of these times, when you felt that some power out there shortchanged you of a better life, of what was right, justly yours, what was goodness and mercy, konon, you brag that you are so good, so much grace, so much mercy, where is it? I want you to know this, church. But I don't want you to just know it in your head. That's why we're going to sing it as a song. Because through the music, I want God to speak it into a reality inside your heart. So you don't just know it here, you feel it and you know it here in your heart. That God Himself never let you go. And though you may have gone on your own excursions 22 years away or more, maybe you have never even stepped into the vineyard yet. I want you to know God never lets you go. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that today, Lord, we can come 
before you, reach out our hands toward you. And no matter how hard life has been, no matter how much pain it takes for us to stretch out our hands toward you, Lord, I'm stretching out. I'm reaching for you, Lord God. And I want to hold you again, Lord God. And as I stretch out my hand, I'm breaking past the resistance of years of wounds and pain and trauma and injustice and unfairness and being ill-treated and being wrongly assumed and being misunderstood and I'm reaching out through all these things and I want to touch the hem of your robe and the moment I touch you Lord Jesus, I touch you right now, I make contact with you, I'm holding out my hand I'm touching you Spirit of God, heal right now in the name of Jesus. Spirit of God, bring restoration in the name of Jesus. All wounds be closed up and perfectly healed right now in the name of Jesus. Injustice, burdens carried, close it in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, cause even the feeling to recede the feeling of wound the feeling of hurt the feeling of pain the feeling of having to shoulder the burden even for the whole family you had to shoulder it and for years you grew bitter in it today Holy Spirit ministering to you even the feeling of it in Jesus name recede right now for the Lord is your healer the Lord has come to speak life and abundant healing life over every single one of you. He has not shortchanged you. He has been more and will prove, will prove in the days and months and in the eternity to come. He will prove to be much more than fair. Church, you don't want Jesus to be fair. If He's fair, you're finished. You don't want Jesus to be fair. If He is fair, we won't stand for it. We won't be able to, to withstand it. Thank God, He is much more than fair. Thank God, He is abundant. Showing grace to those who do not deserve it. Lavishing goodness beyond what we have earned. Thank you. Father, may you separate us now with your blessing. May you seal us now in your love. May you heal us now under the power of that expensive, costly blood, that blood that cost you so much, everything in order to shed so that we can have abundant life. Thank you, Jesus. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn His face toward you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His countenance toward you and grant you shalom. And all of God's people say, Amen.